is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, join my host Nick and Dan, and this is me putting on my happy face because we are going to be doing the Brighton match review midweek Tuesday. Uh, yada yada yada. Anyways, <laughs> blah blah blah. Uh, here we go. I mean, I don't look. I lasted for insert terrible joke here. X amount of seconds, Nick. I can't fake it any longer. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, we're we we've occasionally had to do these types of shows where it's less about what happened and more about what the implications are moving forward and all that stuff. And they're not fun. We don't enjoy them. We much, we uh, would much rather talk like we did after the Juventus home match earlier this season. We're playing rip roaring football and scoring goals and all that good stuff. And it just doesn't seem like we're going to be able to do that. But I will say, if you're looking for a little bit of good news, uh, the end of this episode, like the last 15, 17 minutes, we talked to uh, our friend Ben from Carefree, Louisiana. They're throwing a pretty awesome event uh, down there at the end of the or in the middle of February for the Club World Cup final. So uh, you know, just you know, maybe if you're looking for a little pick me up, try that, and uh, and it'll be a little bit better. All right. Well, uh, kind of spoiled my part here, but go ahead. Whatever, host Nick. Uh, we are going to be talking about the truncated match vibes for this one. Obviously, it's a makeup match for Brighton. We are forced to play days after uh, our Premier League fixture at the weekend. And as you said, we're going to be talking to Carefree Louisiana, talking about what they're up to uh, down there um, in Louisiana, Nerlens. Uh, I'm sure I nailed it my, with my Boy. upper Midwest accent. Nolens. Come on. Nolens. Hmm. All right, we'll work on that. So anyways, let's go ahead and get the temp check, Dan. As always, three-word match review. What are the people saying? I bet this was spicy. Well, it was like being in the desert without any water in sight. It was quite hot, uh, quite temperate for these. Uh, Tom Norwood with, that was gross, which mm. I think was a good player pun. Aplauche uh, uh, with 98 million burned. Another Oof. good player pun. Player puns are really in, apparently. Nomad Blues with two steps slow. Craig J with help wanted wingbacks. Adi with cuckoo formation flummoxes. Patrick with the old lady's curse, talking about how we haven't been the same since that Juventus match on the 23rd of November. And then Craig with seagulls are equals. I don't like that. I don't like it either, but... If you look at the results that we've had this uh, this season, absolutely. What was the crazy stat? Uh, wait, wait, let me look. I bet Dan put it in here. No, he didn't. I think, what was the crazy stat that our boy Andrew put in the WhatsApp that that uh, a Manchester City are the only team in the top seven to have beaten Brighton this season? Correct. Okay, well, what a freaking stat. They're going to have a better top six record than we are. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, mine was fatigue forces errors. So that was my three-word match review. Uh, I'm a big uh, fan of blaming fatigue right now for our, our form. Dan, what about you? Drawing unfortunate conclusions. Oh, draw like oh, with your hand. I get it, you got Dan. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. Not, not like your hand. Uh, Nick. 19 from 13. Those are not words. Sure they are. It's a combination <laughs> of, of numbers and words. It's pretty cool. What is What in the hell does 19 from 13 mean? 19 points from 13 matches in our last 13. That is not very good. So you're saying 19 out of 39 points is not great? Uh, no. In okay. fact, it's it's uh, it's not. And uh, I think the, the numbers <laughs> would kind of bear that out. Really double down on the not part, <laughs> but fair enough. Uh, Dan, we do have a single Apple podcast review. There, there'd be rude of us to not add that and the, the handful of Spotify reviews as well. It really does help us to genuinely be found by other Chelsea fans or Chelsea curious fans who are maybe trying to pick their team. Well, we have Ben Hawkins, 10 from the UK, leaving a wonderful five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done it yet or borrowed a friend or family member's or loved one's phone to leave a five-star review, you should... Figure out a way to do that. And then Spotify. Uh, look, double dip. It's a good thing to do. Do it on both platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 5.0 rating still on 463 reviews, which is pretty incredible. So uh, thank you for making us at least feel good before we start talking about things that make us feel less good or unhappy. All right, guess it's my turn. Uh, all right, here we go. Match details time. It was Brighton this past Tuesday, the 18th of January in the year 2022, as you listen back to these archives. Uh, it was a Premier League fixture at the Amex Stadium. Look, it was a draw. 
You tell me how many goals are scored. There were some scored, but I feel like I'm not going to go into it. Look, I love the fifth stand-up. Love Chelsea FC. We are not running this one back because mm. there is no need. Nope. Okay? Uh, at some point, we have to respect and honor our listeners and not put them <laughs> through certain uh, 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 experiences, we should call mm. it. So there's, there's no trigger warning or trauma warning before yeah. this section. <laughs> Pull yeah, over. I, mean, I, I pulled over. I can't pull over any further. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. The explicit warning only goes so far in what is explicit. Mm. So Dan, uh, lineup time. There were 11 players on the pitch at all times for allegedly. Chelsea. Allegedly. <laughs> and, uh, there were three substitutes that were used. It was cool. At the same time, uh, fun fact. So uh, there was an XG, not really sure what it is. Uh, no random stats other than the one I gave you earlier. Um, mm. No NPET shithouse moment, no XB. Look, we're just canceling it, all right? You got to earn the effort, and the effort was not there to be earned. So uh, we're just going to throw it to our ad break, and we're back. We're going to jump into the first topic, which is the truncated match vibes, right? The condensed schedule. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we'll be right back. Look, for those of you that are always asking us to hurry it up, speed it up, I think we did, but at what cost? Right? At what it, cost? Thank you. Uh, look, we have more pods coming. Matt Law is going to be on. It'll be really interesting to hear. Uh, he's been under fire on Twitter uh, for potentially bashing Tuchel, so we're going to talk to him about the response to that article and, and how this result changes or does not change the things he said. Uh, we'll have the Tinkerman episode from uh, Joe and Yaz. Uh, two and a half hours. Good luck. Uh, Godspeed. Uh, two parts. Yeah, well, smart on our part. Uh, then we'll obviously do the, the Tottenham match review after the weekend. And then Chelsea women are back. Let's go. Oh my, oh Fingers my crossed. Yeah, no cancellations. True. No cancellations. Knock yeah. on wood. So we'll have a match review for that as always. Really excited for Nick, uh, Jesse, and Abdullah to get back into their groove. So anyways, N Dan, truncated match vibes. We didn't dwell on something so disappointing for too long. Kind of we get an idea, I guess, maybe where you're at with everything. I think... This is our, this kind of ends the run after the weekend of like two matches every single week for the last six and a half weeks or so. I mean, it's been a really long run. What is a midweek break for this team? I mean, I, I can't recall. I don't remember things such as midweek breaks. I remember seeing your two lovely faces for pretty much every middle of the week um, for an extended period of time. And I love you guys both, but uh, I don't think it's helped out our players too much when it's back to back. There's COVID situations and recovery from COVID to consider. There's long-term and short-term injuries to several players in the squad. There's dropping of form. There's crazy managerial choices there's interesting decisions from the board and you know i think my feeling afterwards in in nick i'll kind of kick it over you in a second but this reminds me of some of the uh, chelsea civil wars we've seen in the past where everybody is lining up to pick a side like who what side are they on are they on the side of the board the players the manager where are they kind of feeling where are they thinking and to me it's a compound problem like we are reliant heavily on a small number of players to impact the performances. And when they don't come to play, it's really unfortunate. We can't score. So that's, that's a problem that is player related. Um, regardless of who is set up, Tuchel is giving every attacker basically an opportunity to play and nobody has risen to the challenge. Uh, questions for Tuchel about who he's trusting and why, and, you know, maybe he needs to be more ruthless than he has been. And he's been very, very friendly in the press uh, in terms of how he responds to questions and how he tries to protect a lot. I think a lot of the players, and then there's questions for the board of, Hey, you know what? We have, massive squad overhaul that's needed to happen for years and we've continued to piecemeal 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 and we're the only thing we're selling is our most talented young players and we're not really replacing the players that you know right now are, are maybe laying the team down and so i think nick i'm i'm in the point that like this is a compound problem that needs multiple individuals to solve it and nobody is grabbing the brass ring for what they're capable to do that is correct. Um, one one place to start this, I think, is is just pure fatigue, um, because you know I think it, it would be impossible to have a, a fair conversation about this without you know just highlighting the differences between these two teams today. 
Brighton's uh, last two games had five-day gaps between them. Four training days, one rest day. The last time Chelsea had five days between games was the 6th of November, which ended up being an international break. That was 18 matches ago, the 6th of November. Doesn't seem like 18 matches ago. It seems like 84 matches ago because of all the shit that's gone on. But, I mean, it is... What what Chelsea have been through, this gauntlet of matches, you know, in any normal season, sans COVID, would have been a really difficult challenge. Not impossible, but really, really difficult. I think with COVID, the fact that we are only one of two teams who have played all these matches and the other team is just as deep, if not deeper than we are, uh, highlights the immense disparity in the way that the Premier League is treating their fixture schedule. And look, I, I want to, uh, and I will, uh, right after Brandon talks about the fatigue issues, go into what I believe are some very uh, own goal type situations that the club has put itself in here. But we have to start the conversation there. I mean, th- this team has never needed a vacation so bad in its fucking life. <laughs> and it is it is clear. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been tired. We've all been overworked. You know, a couple of us are going to be working after recording this. Uh, it is, you're not doing your best work in that scenario. And I think it's only fair if we start there. And then, of course, we can go and try and look at some of the other stuff that's going on. Yeah, so I just want to rewind to Dan talking about all the midweek matches we've had. So it was like anyone else on a performance improvement plan at work or just, just no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the amount of time we've had to step away from work midweek has actually been problematic, if we're being honest. Uh, uh, so fatigue, right? Uh, our boy Ishan that runs the social media handles for us, uh, he threw this in here. He did his homework, uh, so huge shout-out to him uh, in, the, in the Chelsea FC blogs that he runs. So he just said that... Uh, Chelsea have played more games, 36, than any other team in Europe's top five leagues, four more than Liverpool, who are in second with 32, and five more than Man City, who have played 31, all without having a single game postponed. Um, so that's a lot of matches in a very condensed amount of time that other teams aren't having to play. Nick, you know, talked about how Brighton essentially had an entire week. Um, the other they thing that's hard... It. They looked it, didn't they? They absolutely <laughs> did. I mean, Cuc- City Cuc- looked it too. Yeah, Cucurella up and down the flanks. Tarek Lamptey up and down the flanks. No no problem at all. Um, on the fatigue thing too, is it's also really hard when you literally show up to the training ground and that's when someone pops a positive and then they're out. I mean, you can't prepare for that. You know, we And we've seen some, some wonky formations uh, because of these literally last-second changes. Um, so with the fatigue, look, it's really, it's really in my mind, it looks like it's more of a fatigue issue because on the faces of the players, it looks like they're disinterested and I'm going to let other people talk about that. But from a fatigue perspective, I get that it looks like they're disinterested, but the biggest thing is it's affecting their play. You're miss hitting passes. Like Mr. Metronome Jorginho was flailing passes everywhere today. And Golo Conte couldn't physically track back. Uh, his passes were everywhere as well. These are very common when you're just fatigued and you're tired. These are the types of things you take your eye off the ball. You uh, just react a half step slow, Alonzo. You, uh, your first touch is bad. You're not thinking as quickly as you would, you know, in Lukaku's case, probably in that sense. And then when one thing breaks, all of a sudden the other team has, the rest of the team has to react to that break and they have to you know, stop their momentum and now change, right? So we talk, one of the, the most important things in, in soccer and football is transitions, going from offense to defense, defense to offense. And we were so lethargic. I saw on Twitter today, a lot of people calling it out. It was almost Lampard-esque. And the fact that there were the gaps between our back line and our midfield and the rest of the team were so big. Brighton were running out of defenders all day. Uh, and that had to have been a long day for Thiago Silva and Rudiger uh, back there. And Brighton's he, defenders were running out of defenders all day. running past Rudiger, right? I mean, just skipping by. And so to me, I'm going to hold the, uh, the judgment of like a failing team until we get that week off. And if they do get rest and they come back energized and they're sharp with their mentality, um, then I'll, I'll, play that card if it's not there but for me right now it's just it's a mega fatigue man yeah i mean look well let's put that off to the side because it's a real thing right and it's something that like 
I don't think you can have an honest conversation about where Chelsea is if, if not talking about that first. The second thing I want to talk about is for a club that really struggles in front of goal, they're scoring some serious own goals on themselves right now. And it is, it's attitudes, it's, you know, Tuchel in the press with some of our more well-known players playing a bit of chicken. It's the lack of reinforcements. It's January 18th. We've known about problems for a while now. It's a bunch of this stuff. And, I, you know, Chelsea oscillate, in my mind, between being the most well-run club in Europe and getting a lot of really great things right, as we have over the last year, and going into chaos mode sometimes. And it is... It's not always easy to see it coming. <laughs> I don't think we would have seen it coming after Juventus at home when things were just unbelievable. I, I know I bring that up a lot, but I was so blown away by how well we played that day, how confident we looked, the swagger that the team had, all that stuff. We looked like champions that day. We looked like we were serious contenders to go win the Champions League again. Look, Dan got one out of us tattooed. He didn't tell uh, us, but... Yeah. <laughs> serious own goal from Dan. jump to conclusion uh, game there. Uh, but, I mean, there there's some serious shit going on here uh, that doesn't, you know, smoke, fire, analogy, you know, all you want. But I, I saw a team today that did not look like they enjoyed playing with each other, you know? And there wasn't a whole lot that there wasn't a whole lot to root for if i'm honest you know of course dan's right there there are camps now firmly established camps uh is the manager right are the players right all this other stuff and i mean that's not nearly the point that we're at in this whole discussion but we're chelsea right it's not far away at any point and i you know in in our WhatsApp, uh, you know, with with tweeds, if it were me and I had to make some really hard choices, there would be some players who were not a part of this team next year. Marco Marco tweeted something the same. You know, he said Tuchel's got some serious work to do before the weekend. Obviously, playing Tottenham, and he said the first thing he would do is play players who actually look like they want to be there. I guess, damn. My only counterpoint, and you can disagree if you want, is. Since it's so widespread, do we feel like it is like discontent within the team? I mean, like Conte was bad, everyone was bad, Dave was bad, Alonzo was bad. Like I could name damn near the entire team. Me, I just feel like since it's not a couple pockets, because usually it's like three, maybe three players upset. Like remember under Lampard, Jorginho wasn't happy, Aspie wasn't happy, Rudiger wasn't happy. There's a few players that kind of sowed that discontent. But to me, it's like across the board. But to go back to this idea of compounding problems. So you have players who have contracted COVID who are coming back. And we've seen players who bounce back immediately. We've seen players who took half of a season or beyond to get back to any level of quality football um, that they can deliver. We have contract issues that regardless of how good a manager Thomas Tuchel is or how good of a coach Thomas Tuchel is, if you have Cesar Aspaqueta, Antonio Rudiger, and Andreas Christensen all trying to figure out what is next for them next season. And when, Lukaku. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> yeah. No shit. Let's, let's pause on that. We'll get there in a second. Um, if you have three three players in your defense that you are relying upon – who don't know what their future holds from basically five months from now and basically, you know, most likely are, are not with the club um, at, at this point next year, that can't be making things better because they have this added mental weight. You have a manager who's trying to figure out how to make him happy. So they hopefully signed an extension and maybe he's trying to play some of them into opportunities. And there's that. I mean, there's also just, people doing stupid things like Lukaku and <laughs> the result of that interview, which is seemingly like the touch point moment of this season, like regardless of the injuries, like we now have this massive discontent conversation and every conversation pre-match post-match um, is about like 
the fit to Lukaku, the plane to Lukaku, plane to Lukaku's strengths. Like, what does it look like? And I'm sure that doesn't make things better because I'm sure there's players who feel for him. And I'm sure there's players who are pissed off at him and that can't make things better in the locker room. And so all these problems suck. And I don't know if there's an easy way forward other than the board, you know, not publicly, because we know what happens when the board comes out and publicly says we back the manager. That is the, that is the godfather kiss of death coming in Mm -hmm. right there. Um, but Nick, I mean, I think ultimately like they have to be able to say like, look, if you're going to be hard on some players, if you're going to freeze out some players, that's fine. But we need to work together to do this, to you know, basically put them back on the shelf and say, we're not going to play you and make hard decisions. And I don't know if those are being made or not. It, it would be the first time that that sort of like coordinated effort has happened. Right. I mean, you know, the, the hard truth of this is that the the easiest thing for the club to do is to continue this cycle of craziness, get a manager in who's all good vibes, man, and makes everyone happy for a period of six to nine months. And his then name they is get Gus pissed. Hitting. Say it. Say his name. <laughs> no, no, don't you, don't you bring that evil on me, <laughs> Bobby, Ricky, Bobby. But, uh, but I mean that that's that's what's happened. I mean, just face up, like that is what has been done appease the players, switch the manager, get some temporary results, and, you know, case sera, sera. Uh, But how many of these players are going to be here at the start of next season? Like, obviously, some of them are on contract, and I said, uh, so conceptually, a fair number of them will be, but if you're talking about bringing back some of the quality players who are on loan right now, someone like a Connor Gallagher, maybe Levi Caldwell gets an opportunity to, to come to this side. Like you then are thinking about players who are no longer here next season. Like this, this is your opportunity to have an inflection point within this squad and say, look, we we're viewing this with an eye to the summer and radically changing how we equip a manager to be successful at this club. Kennedy's back. It- yeah, <laughs> Brandon, yeah, that was it. Brandon, that was exactly what Brandon Thomas is was just for. absolutely milking this. Uh, look, I, I mean, in. but but that is not the that's not the historical stance of the club. It is so much harder to get rid of players, whether they're in contract, heading out of contract, whatever. It's so much harder to get rid of those players than it is to get rid of a staff who they might be disagreeing with right now. I mean, it, again. Like I, I am, I'm not, you know, I, I like Thomas Tuchel a lot and I, I, I support him to the hill. I'm not his number one fan like Dan, but I would, I would back him. Like I would, I would give him the tools and resources to make some really hard decisions and be prepared to eat a lot of money. Right. Which is the real consequence here, especially if we don't, get our ass in gear in the league and finish in top four. I mean, that's, that's the death knell. I mean, that is the one that will hurt the most. So it, if it were me, that's what I would do. I'd back him. I'd make sure that the players who are under contract actually want to be here. If not find your new home as soon as possible. And for those who are kind of on the fence, whether they want to be here or not heading out of contract, take it easy. Um, we'll see you on the flip side. I, I think to to me, to that point, too, like I want and, and maybe this is like a American sport fan ideology, but uh, so apologizing in advance to our international listeners. But like there's this idea of like what what the culture is within a building like in the, the NFL. Right. Like there's a there's a leadership culture that stems and like the the players don't rotate in and out like the, the way that they do. Like you obviously draft players in. But there's this idea of like, what's the identity? Can we define the identity of this team in five words or less in relation to like what we want Chelsea football to be? And like, you can't because for years you have basically like papered over the cracks. You've brought in players for a particular manager and then you fire the manager and you bring them up again. Like the, the, the cycle of chaos does not allow for us to say like, we want Chelsea football to be these five words. Like whether that's like, Hard-nosed, defensive. You say it uh, all the time with tweets: chaos and trophies. What do you mean? That that is not uh, that is not an ideology. That is a hope strategy. <laughs> that is a, a hope that you continue to uh, to cycle back through. But 
I, I guess the, the point I'm getting to is that like we need to be able to say agnostic of a coach and like you hope that Tuchel is there for a long time and can kind of continue to find a way through this with the club and with the players. And you both say like, look, we want Chelsea to play this way and we're going to continue to employ managers that play in this style and we're going to go recruit and promote players that fit into playing in this way, shape and form. And like there's no continuity that has existed across the three channels of player recruitment, which is another thing that kind of gets, you know, disregarded in conversation. But if we have people who are recruiting players off of like five-year-old FB ref and football manager saves, like that is a problem too. Uh, In addition to making sure a manager is aware, like, look, we'll buy you players, but the players are in this mold and you can have confidence with us around what that's going to be. But like, this is the type of football that Chelsea want to play. And the board and the directors of football are saying, this is how we want Chelsea to play, Brandon. Like, that is, it just, that synergy doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. And it never has. It, it just, Look, Tweeds has been talking about forever. I'm pretty sure it's a part of the, the freaking Tinkerman episode that's coming out this week. You're going to hear half of, Sorry, a, half of a two and a half hour episode where I think he kind of, you know, stresses the importance of this. I think if you look at Manchester City and Liverpool, the other top two teams in this league, the thing that they have that Chelsea doesn't is an identity, like full stop. If if uh, or when, um, uh, Andy, when Andy Robertson gets hurt or suspended for a red card, Simikas goes right in, and they know exactly what he's going to do, how he's going to play. Now he's a JV version, but he looks good because he fits the system. When we go from Ben Chilwell to Marcus Alonso or Reese James to Aspilicueta, they play differently, stylistically different. Marcus Alonso was standing at the top of the box at the end of the game, but you know that's what he's going to do. The thing is, Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, Callum hudson whoever's out there on the left wing, they have to change. There's no real system and identity. Last year, it was, you will not score on us. We are impossible to beat. That I mean, that has not been it this year. And I think sometimes you see that. When a manager is so defensive, they just naturally will try to be a less defensive and like take a step more into a balanced side. Um, I mean, Liverpool did the opposite. They went balls to the wall attacking. They're like, we're going to score four. We're going to try to only give up three. And they eventually sorted out the defense. But um, the, the transition to more of a 50-50 split hasn't worked this season. Can I challenge that notion yeah. that they have identities? I don't think they have identities in any sort of like sustainable way like Alex Ferguson had. I think they have identities that are based on managers who won't be there in two years. And it's worked for them. Don't get me wrong. They play a certain style. They always play in a similar formation. They always do a similar thing. I can make the same case for Chelsea. The difference is that in some regards, our results have not been as good. And in some regards, our results have been better. Uh, famously on one day in May last year. And so I would say this, like if you're, if you're looking to define who Chelsea is super is at their core, like really dig into it. This team is historically shithouse. We have always been up for a fight. And I think that needs to be in the DNA of every player that walks in the door. You're not up for it. We're not the club for you. Go play at Fulham. You know, like, and, and that's okay. Not every player is meant to play at Chelsea. I think this team has been historically persistent and hard-nosed and had grit to it. You don't want to keep running after 85 minutes? That's the door. I mean, best of luck to you. We'll, we'll see you over at Liverpool, you know? Because here the, comes John Obi Mikel, the closer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this team has historically had incredible leadership from players. And there there have been amazing captains at Chelsea. And even those who weren't captains were amazing leaders. We need that. We need that desperately. And, And I would say that this team, despite all of what I've just said, has had periods where they played astonishing football. Really fun to watch. Now, it's not all the time, and it's certainly not all the time right now, but... If you're looking for characteristics, those are four that I think have made up this club and that should continue to make up this club moving forward. How that vision gets executed is a whole different thing. 
and I know we're kind of veering off the the match here for those who are listening. We're kind of uh, intentionally doing that because it was a pretty ugly match and there wasn't a whole lot to say about it besides how bad it was. But, I mean, we say this all the time. It could be an opportunity for the club to take a different approach in the way that they handle this type of own goal. You know, you bought the $100 million player. I'm, I'm like Steve Rogers in those like gym commercials in Spider-Man like, or the infomercials. So you bought a hundred million pound player and it didn't work out. What are you going to do? Just sit there and play him? No, you got to get him the hell out. And that's as simple as it has to be. And it's not, it's not without consequence. You bought a player who didn't want to be there. You're probably gonna have to eat some of the finance. Like it is what it is. But I mean, for me, and it's easy to say, cause it's not my checkbook and it's not my money. Um, but that I would rather see us try something different than continue the chaos because the chaos is short termism and it's short term rewards. And it's not something that is going to sustain what I think is the best club in the world. I think Chelsea is a wonderful club that deserves the kind of, uh, dynasty that I, I know we're capable of building key players missing. I think that's kind of where it all should always come back to right now. Very huge gaps in the squad. But anyways, um, hit us up on social. See where you're at. Uh, We're going to jump to the Carefree Louisiana special. Uh, Nick, I mean, I think you should do the honors of pitching to yourself. (laughs) Hey, Nick. I heard you had a great chat uh, with Ben from Carefree Louisiana. Um, Yeah, so we, we talked a little bit about what they're doing down there in the bayou. They're a little different down there and we, we love them for it. And, uh, they also are hosting a really cool event that Ben hypes us up for. Uh, so if you are able to, uh, to potentially venture out for that, obviously be safe, but he got me all excited for it. And I'm trying to convince the boys to, to make a weekend trip here. So, um, yeah, pass that over to you, Nick, you, you gem. All right, we have a special uh, a special part of our, our episode. This is not something we would normally do, but um, would be remiss if, if we didn't uh, tag along a special section here to talk with our friends from Carefree Louisiana. Uh, they are a, a Chelsea group who is doing some really great stuff uh, down in Bayou State, uh, New Orleans, a city. New Orleans is a city near and dear to my heart. I love that place um, very much. And so Ben Landry. Joining us from Carefree, Louisiana. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing much, man. Doing good. Just uh, just here in the South. I'm uh, freezing in the morning and burning up by 4 p.m. So it's good. Well, you didn't get snow like I did this weekend. So <laughs> um, look, uh, Ben, obviously uh, got connected with you guys because you guys are throwing a big event. We're, of course, going to talk about the event in this, in this segment. But before we dive deeper into that, I uh, want to just have a conversation with you to, to get to know yourself, uh, the chapter and, and the groups a lot better. Um, uh, can you maybe give us a little bit of an insight as to uh, your support of Chelsea and then how you and the greater team have kind of started to formulate uh, Carefree Louisiana into, into this really awesome kind of chapter experience for, for members? Yeah, man, that's a great question. I appreciate it. Um, so in 2008, I was watching um, the unfortunate Moscow final with mm-hmm. a group of people playing poker, a bunch of Man United fans. And I don't know, man, about halfway through the match, I just like put my cards down. It's the first soccer, it was the first football match I'd ever watched in my life. And, um, you know, obviously we know what happened. And so I decided there's absolutely no way that I could just be one of these guys and support Manchester United. I loved how the team carried themselves, the emotion of JT and Nico when they missed those those unfortunate penalties and how it transpired. It just looked to me like, man, Chelsea's my team and uh, took it from there, man. And uh, so starting the chapter in 2013, the year after we won the Champions League final, we had a U.S. tour and Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, we played the MLS All-Stars and I made it out there and, you know, got to chop it up with Frank Sinclair, Paul Cannibal and met uh, Beth Wilde for mm-hmm. the first time and just changed my life. I had no clue that these supporters groups existed. I was totally blind to it. And 
she introduced me to everyone and it was just the first time that you get to meet everyone and meet everyone from all the different states with the same fervent passion that we have. It's just this new light opens up for you and the world is open now. You have all these people from just so far away. Well, you know, she convinced me to start a chapter and I started it and Little that I know in New Orleans at the exact same time in 2013, Dylan was starting his chapter. So it wasn't until about three years later that we even knew each other existed. We actually saw <laughs> uh, Chelsea beat Crystal Palace to win the Premier League in the same pub with Stephen Ray and had no clue each other was there. We actually just saw each other in a group photo. And now we've turned this into a coalition come together uh, kind of happenstance. You know, I saw him at the pub and we said, dude, it's just way better to do this together. So let's get Baton Rouge, Zydeco Blues, New Orleans Crescent City Blues together and let's start a coalition. And we've had full backing from the club and, and kind of all these other organizations that have said, hey, we love what you guys are doing. Uh, since we come together year one, we have more than 60 due-paying members. We're, in our, we're third in our region uh, for due-paying members. And we've just, we've created a little bit of a wave, man. And I think everybody's excited about it. So, um, man, it, it just came together. I, you know, it's like people say, you know, you got rich overnight. No, dude, this was, <laughs> this was eight years of heartache, man, of four yeah. people in the pub for, for seven years. And then, it, you know, it was just meeting the right people. It was Dylan, Dylan and Roy and Kyle and God, there's so many names to name and Crescent City Blues. And then my Zydeco G's, Matt, Kyle, Stephen, Mark, Keegan, Carlos, so many guys, so much support. And that's what these groups take. They just take a big militia of guys that are ready to help. Can you can you maybe talk about that? Right. Because when you say coalition, of course, you mentioned all the uh, all the folks that are involved here and all the different you know cities and towns that are involved yeah. How do you guys share, you know, the passion? How do you share resources? Like talk us through kind of the process of, of making this thing feel like one unit instead of five or six individual things. Yeah, that's man. That's a great question, too. So, you know, I think the way that me and Dylan set out to continue this and make it bigger than it was before is saying, okay, everyone has roles and everyone has very specific skills. And it's just like running an organization. The CMO doesn't balance the books, man. The, the CFO doesn't work about, worry about marketing. I mean, there's very defined roles. And from the beginning, we all sat down and we said, what are those roles? Who's good at what? And as time's gone on, those roles have evolved and changed. But if I need help, pitching to a pub in Baton Rouge because we just lost our pub last season. I go to Dylan who works in the industry, knows what talking points to give to the pubs to say, we're going to bring in revenue in this way. And we're going to bring in people in this way. So, you know, I'm using him for that. And on the marketing side, he's using me. We're getting limited edition beer cans printed from Urban South, one of our partners for the event because of me. So everybody's got their role and everybody shifts and moves and we just depend on each other. We don't micromanage and we have confidence in each other. We don't, we don't ask questions. We just get to it. Everybody's got roles. I, you know, I, I think this is probably the case for a lot of folks. And, you know, I'm, I'm up in Kansas City and you, you have people all over this country who support Chelsea Football Club, right? Uh, it is, uh, it's wild to, to know that, you know, you go all the way up to Maine or down to kind of the border in California and you're going to find someone who, who's yeah. wearing blue. Uh, what is being a Chelsea fan in Louisiana? And you guys have such like a rich sports heritage uh, down right. there. What does that mean to you and, and how, how is that kind of manifested in, in your groups? Because you, you, you guys are a little different down there. You're a little different than, than we are up in the Midwest. That's a, you know, that's a great question because we have the SEC here and that's really hard to compete with. Mm. So manifesting it in new members is damn near impossible. I mean, almost everyone that that is in our groups are either lifetime supporters of Chelsea or they happened to be in the pub one day when we started singing and it absolutely enamored them. So they had to follow soccer. But competing with American football, it's difficult at times. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we have. But we have one thing that we do better than anybody else. And it's party. I mean, that's what the <laughs> South's about, man. We just love being with each other and sharing times, getting our social confidence up and just being with each other, man. And that singing, there's something so special about singing a song in a pub. Mm -hmm. You look at every person 
and you just have this very visceral thing in common, this emotional thing that's happening that just takes you over. And look, bro, you combine that with a good crawfish boil and a keg of beer. It's game over, my friend. <laughs> well, I mean, let's not delay anymore. I mean, uh, the, the reason <laughs> that we're talking is that you guys are are standing up what is what is turning out to be a really special event uh, coming up. And so before we dive into all of the, the deep uh, details of it, tell us what it is. Tell us when it is. Tell us how to get there. All right, man. So Blues Day. Um, wow, how special this has become. Um, so Carefree Louisiana is hosting an event February 11th through the 13th in New Orleans, Louisiana, centered around the Club World Cup either third place match or final because both take place that Saturday, which mm. Chelsea will be in one of the two. Also what happenstance gives us on the same day is the crew to view Mardi Gras parade. It's a very raunchy new Orleans S parade. It is not the parade for your 15 year old son. This is a parade <laughs> for you to come down and expect some weird stuff. So it's just, this day is going to be full of just fun and Ah, man. So, so yeah, so that's what it's based around. We have a lot of other stuff going down, but that's what it's based around club world cup final, hopefully. And then the crew to view parade. So this is a combination of, uh, you know, Chelsea, hopefully winning, uh, the club world cup, you know, and, and, and hosting that for the first time after we, you know, should have done it in 2013. Yep. Uh, and all of the absolute craziness that Mardi Gras brings, uh, to, to everyone. And so, I mean, that is, that's a lot for one day. Like how, how is this gonna, how is this gonna work? Like I was talking to Dylan, Dylan was hyping me up about this, uh, Dylan Polk, for those who don't know, uh, yes. he was hyping me up and he's like, man, it's just gonna, you're going to have to strap in. It is going to be a, a massive, massive day out here. So tell us, tell us what's going to happen. Tell us like all that kind of detail. All right. I'll give you a rundown on the weekend. So yes, if you don't know, I'm Ben Landry, Zydeco Blues, my co-founder of Carefree Louisiana from Crescent City's Dylan Polk. This was, this idea was, he just threw it up in the bar one day. And now what we have organized is Friday night, you're going to fly into New Orleans and at Urban South Brewery in the Central Business District, fairly close to the French Quarter, we'll be hosting a an event there. It's just a meet and greet. We're going to have the 2012 game playing on repeat on a big projector, but awesome. it's really just a bunch of high top tables and a custom beer label with overpriced beer that we're all just going to sit there and just <laughs> love on each other, shake hands, you know, buy some of our merch if you do feel inclined and, you know, just have a good time. So hopefully you do the right thing and you go home the night before because we might that night early because we might have a third place match. But let's just say we're in New Orleans, so none of you are going to go, go home early. We're all going to get an Uber XL to the French Quarter and have a blast. But that's off the record. The day after, on uh, the 12th, is the big day, right? So it's going to be one of two matches at a place called the American Sports Saloon. Arsenal is going to be hosting a party at our Finn McCool's location, which is our normal watch uh, location. So we're going to be in the quarter, which is going to be really special. We did a test match there two weeks ago and had an unbelievable turnout. The um, The saloon has been a very, very supportive venue. They've already bought like 120 small Chelsea flags, not knowing that the club's also sending us 400 of them. So <laughs> it's going to just be littered with Chelsea. Um and then after the match, we're going to head over to Jackson Square. We're going to get some beignets at Cafe Du Monde. Everybody's going to get to experience their very atypical New Orleans experience. Go see the uh, the statues, the art, um, all of the beautiful things that people go to New Orleans with, the stuff that you got to see. And then in Jackson Square, there's this beautiful amphitheater, and we're going to get everybody on the steps of the amphitheater and take a picture with all of our flags and all of our people. And... Um, that's going to be a fun one. Um, and then after we take a picture, it's kind of going to be free roam around New Orleans. Do your thing until uh, the parade. So for the parade, we're going to be set up on the corner of Royal Street and Elysian Fields with a couple of tents and a pre-bought half keg from Urban South Brewery uh, that they're providing for us. So all the beer you can drink tents for cover in case we get some heat because that's like a weird February thing in Louisiana. It might just be 95 degrees. We don't know. <laughs> um, and watch the parade, man. We're going to have a really dope spot. It's going to be a big uh, park and we'll have tents, chairs. It's it's just a perfect environment. 
And then Sunday is just going to be a free roam, man. Just go see New Orleans. We'll probably have a couple of groups that deploy together. Maybe, you know, a couple guys that are from New Orleans that lead like two or three groups, go down Rural Street, see the art. Or if you want to do some, go down Bourbon Street, you can go there without me uh, and do that whole thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, another thing that I do want to stress on here that's going to be very important, and I want to really drill this in for everybody that's going, that's listening. Safety is very big to us. If you mm. have any concerns, we want you guys to come to us with that. You can email me at bencelandry at gmail.com with any questions that you have about safety. Um, we will be having, like I said, a muster point on Elysian Fields and Royal that if you at any point feel unsafe, take your GPS, walk back to that location and get with us and we'll get you anything you need. So we just want to reiterate that this is Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Be be aware, you know, mm-hmm. come to the muster point if you at all feel unsafe. So, it, I mean, that's amazing, right? That, that's a rip roar in three days. That's just going to happen right in the middle of February. Um, look, I, I was talking to Dylan about this and I think we, we'd be remiss to not mention it, right? Obviously, COVID is, is everywhere right now. There are a lot of people who are uh, kind of doing whatever they have to do to stay safe in that. Is there yeah, anything yeah. That, that we should be looking out for from a just purely kind of COVID perspective with this or is a lot of it just going to be uh, yeah, yeah. your own discretion? Great, great question, Nick. And I, I believe we'd be remiss to not mention it. Of course, please, you know, for your own safety, be triple jabbed you know, do the right thing. If you feel uncomfortable, please wear a mask. But at the same time, at your own discretion. I mean, Mm -hmm. I do want to say be safe, but, you know, we have the fortunate um, circumstance of being born in America. So dude, if you come however you please, but just do the right thing for other people and, and come safe. That's all we ask. You know, if you feel symptoms the night before, three nights before, please get a test. The airline's probably going to require it anyway, but just, you know, do the right thing for everybody. If you feel sick, do not come. Love that. Um, all right. So how? Do, so let, let's say that I'm a person who hasn't decided if I'm going to go and you've convinced me that I'm going to go. Uh, how do people okay. get involved? How do they register or do whatever? That's a great question. So you can go to carefreelouisiana.com. And uh, you'll see there that we have a hotel block. We have a place to register. Uh, you can put your email there. You can do everything that you need to do. We also have the the itinerary there. We have the location of our muster point. Uh, everything is ready to go. And all the information that you need is on the website. Um, so go to carefreelouisiana.com. There you'll find the booking link for the hotel. If there are no hotel rooms available, please email us at bencelandry at gmail.com. We will request more hotels from Hotel Monteleone, but we can't know unless you guys let us know. Awesome. Okay. So Chelsea, you're going to win the Club World Cup. You're Absolutely. going to go see New Orleans. You're going to do um, what is only described as a, ridic- a ridiculous uh, Mardi Gras float experience. And you're probably going to eat some incredible food. Um, oh, boy. Don't Can't forget that little detail. New Orleans is my favorite food city uh, in, in America. So I'm, I'm very like excited about that. Uh, is there anything else that, that the fine people out there should know uh, about, about the event or what you guys are putting on? Yeah, man. I think just, you know, come out. This is, <laughs> this is New Orleans, baby. This is just going to be a beautiful party where we love and dote on each other and have a grand old time. This is what this is all here for, man. This is why we're Chelsea fans in America. And we all join these groups to be together is to go to these events. And we haven't had one of these in a couple of years, man, where it's only supporters getting together. You know, all these Chelsea events, they've been amazing. But this is purely just centric around us looking at each other and giving, a, giving big old hugs and cheering on Guinness. I love that. Um, and the club is the club has stepped up and is supporting you guys along the way, right? Absolutely, man. This is officially endorsed by the club. They have our they have our full support and they've given us their full support. Uh, they've given us a lot of resources. We're excited to announce those over the coming weeks, some of which are 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 yet to be determined, but the club is working full force to make sure we have what we need. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds like something that uh, that I would really enjoy doing. Um, of course, Ben just gave you all the details as to where you can sign up and what all the protocols are and stuff like that. Of course, reiterate safety. If you don't feel well or, or you don't feel comfortable, obviously do the right thing. Be smart. Uh, we're, we're in year three of this now, so let's figure this thing out. Um, but other than that, Ben, really appreciate you joining us. Really appreciate you selling it. Um, hopefully we'll get a, be down there and see you. Yes, brother. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, 
uh, super excited that we actually had something to completely distract ourselves with, Nick. Uh, the timing really couldn't have been better based on this result. So uh, great planning on your part. Uh, obviously, Thank Dan, you. no Dan of the match. No. All right, no context. Us. No. Everyone who watched, you're the Dan of the match. Congratulations. If you're wondering Suck up. when you can tell your parents, when you can tell your mom, when you can tell your significant other, <laughs> when you were Dan of the match, Don't. you, right now. Gonna, Check your email. Gonna, we sent a flyer to put up on your fridge. It's going to be uh, more questions and answers if you tell them that. So, uh, Anyways, looking back at the table, the weekend's fixture, yada, yada. Um, you know, we obviously we're the ones to play. Other matches are postponed. I do want to point out that Tottenham do play tomorrow. Um, so they're going to be playing Leicester City. Hopefully that match goes on. Hopefully they lose. Uh, but it is good to see that they're playing a day after us. So again, less rest. It sounds like they still have a lot of injury issues uh, and things like that, even though Bergwijn is starting to get back. So um, that's kind I of... I mean, we've, we've only played 23 matches and we're the first team in the Premier League to do so. Yep. Uh, you know. Just a small I, little point of order. I think, uh, I think the atmosphere at the bridge on Sunday is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think it'll start strong like usual, and then they're just going to react to however it goes. Uh, but look, well, I mean, the fact the, the players have to do it. The players have to show up on Sunday. They have to go out. Like, there's Tuchel cannot kick the ball himself out there. No, he's definitely animated. Uh, but the fact that we have essentially Tuesday until Sunday for our next match is going to feel like an eternity. For these players so i'm sure they're gonna get a couple days off uh thankfully they're a familiar team that we've already played twice so less kind of match preps so this is actually a really nice effort and then we don't have to play till the 5th of february which is plymouth argyle in the fa cup fourth round and then we head to the club world cup so it's actually a nice little run if you we, we will not first play time. a premier league match again until the 19th of february palace after this sunday yeah and again it's like an in-town game so it's not even that big of a deal not that big of an effort. And then, obviously, the France match against Lille will get moved somewhere else. But we'll talk about that as we get closer to, to the time. So, um, All right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap us up for this one. Hope you enjoyed it. Glad we could plug in on something a little bit different to distract you from it. But, again, like it, it's no joke. The Chelsea fans are, are super dedicated, super special that we continue to drive through this. It has been a, a hard sprint to this point. But hopefully we can start to uh, take some breaths and have a little bit of time off. But don't worry. Uh, the podcast will still come, even if there's no matches. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.